I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blimke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. By the way, we now have a merchandise shop on the website. So if you want your podcast swag, and you know you do, go to our website and click on the store tab. Anthony Magnabosco is best known as a street epistemologist. He's kind of like a preacher you might run into on your college campus, except he's not trying to convert you. He just wants to ask you questions about religion and how you think, and he wants to get you to think. He posts videos of these interactions on YouTube, and they're fascinating to watch, in part because he deconstructs what went right and wrong each time. So, Anthony, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Hemet. Really nice to be here. Sure. So where did this whole idea come from? Because this is not something I remember seeing on my college campus, um, and it's not something I would even think of doing. <laughs> you know, I think the idea originated after reading Peter Bogosian's book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. I, I distinctly remember being on an airplane while I was reading it and thinking, if this can work, if if this is really an effective technique for talking to a believer, then I want to give it a try. And that was the genesis of it. And then I think at that point, I started running scenarios through my head. How can I, how can I find believers to talk to them to experiment with this and see if it works? And that's when the idea of going out in public with my camera came. What technique are you talking about for readers who may not have seen your videos? Sure. Uh, what I've been doing is going out and talking to believers using a method uh, in Dr. Peter Bogosian's book that is called street epistemology. And it's essentially a technique for engaging with a believer in a way that doesn't close them down. It keeps them open and introspective and honest so that you can both fully understand how a person arrived at their belief in the first place. It doesn't, it's not contentious like a debate. It's a friendly back and forth, and I oftentimes learn things about the exchange uh, from the exchange afterwards. So it's just a wonderful approach for talking with those those people that live in our society that hold these types of beliefs. So we've actually had Bogosian on uh, on our podcast. Has he uh, reacted to your videos? What does he think about them? You know, early on, I started tweeting links to videos to him, and he was responsive. He he gave me some tips and some advice, and I was able to the next weekend go out and put those into place and see what worked and what didn't. So, uh, you know, I think the the progress that you can see as you watch my videos is is evident largely because of the feedback that he was able to provide to me. So, yeah, he's definitely aware of it and supportive and pretty much, you know, did, did everything that he could possibly do, I think, from from a distance to help me through it. Mm-hmm. So for people who haven't seen the videos again, walk me through. Let's pretend I am like several, several decades, no, years ago when I was religious. Let's say I'm walking and you run into me. What sort of conversation are we having? And I'm going to pretend I'm religious for a second. You know, when I first started having these talks, I was more focused on the God belief. But lately, I meant to be perfectly blunt, mm-hmm. these days I'll just ask somebody, what do you believe and why? Can we talk about a spiritual belief or a supernatural belief or some other belief that you might hold that you are deeply committed to? 
And uh, these days, I honestly just let them pick the topic. Now, I prefer it when they when they mention God, yeah. because what I find is that a lot of the beliefs people hold, whether they're political or how they how they use gun control or abortion, those are usually resting on that even deeper foundational belief of God belief. So, I love it when they talk about God. So you want to cut off the head of the monster. I, <laughs> I'm open to anything. <laughs> so so you meet Hemant on the street, and you say what to him? Well, first I'll just flag him over and, and just see if he wants to talk. If he's walking as if he, he's busy or something like that, you know, then I probably won't ask him. But if he's looking kind of friendly and, and he's not in a rush, I'll probably just wave <laughs> him over and that. say, do you have five minutes to chat? <laughs> yeah, well, he's sure. got a microphone in front of his face, so let's say he's ready to All talk. All right, I got, I got five minutes. Let's do this. <laughs> let's do it. And, you know, I just want to point out, even though I live in Texas, uh, I could probably just wait for these opportunities to happen organically, but it would probably have taken me 10 years to get to the point that I am now. So that's a large reason why I do go out and, and try to initiate conversations with people so that I can practice. Because if, if I was just waiting for them to happen as they happen, as they came up while I'm waiting to get my car repaired or something, I probably wouldn't have nearly as many as many. Uh, interviews i guess you could say under my belt so sure. uh yeah so i would just wave you over say hey would you like to speak and yeah more than almost always people say sure because what i find is that people love talking about these things that they're not normally asked about mm-hmm. so very rarely does a person say no nah, i'm not going to talk to you even though i have a couple cameras on my body at this point <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's really interesting how many people will say you're live streaming, recording this for YouTube? Oh, sure, I'll be glad to talk to you. But <laughs> the overwhelming majority of people do agree with it, and, and the conversations tend to go very well. Okay, so I'm going to say the Cubs are the best team in baseball right now. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a pretty measurable result. Uh, maybe not so much supernatural, but I'd, I'd be game for that. All right. Um, I mean, we can certainly engage in it. Do you want to do a little role play? Is yeah, let's your... do it. Okay. So you're going with Cubs on this? That's I'm where going you're going? I'm going with Cubs on right. this. And, and your claim is what now? Uh, the Chicago Cubs are the best team in baseball. Go, going Cubs, forward, go. not in the past. So, Hemet, how did you how did you come to this, this understanding that the Cubs are the best league in baseball? Is, is uh, this something that... They were really bad in the past, but they have good management. They brought in good players. They, they look like they have everything on paper that you would need to win a World Series. Oh, I see. Is that, is that your hope that they're going to win the World Series, or are you just happy that they're a good team? No, they have to win the World Series. <laughs> oh. Everything, you... I believe, depends on this. <laughs> are you convinced that the Cubs will win the World Series because they have a good team? Do you go that far? Next year, yes. <laughs> really? Yes. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. So now you're not the first person to say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm from Chicago originally, and I just despise the Cubs. But I probably wouldn't disclose that at this point in the conversation right, because right. I don't yeah. want to. It's not relevant, right? Are you a Sox fan? Um, Get out of here. Okay. So you're you're convinced that the Cubs are going to win the World Series. How how certain are you that this is going to happen? Are you are you wildly certain? Are you I'm sort of pessimistic about it? Pretty certain. Like more than half. Okay, really. And what's what would you say is the main reason why you think that this is going going to happen? Uh, hands down, the best roster down the line, best starting lineup in baseball, and good pitching, okay. and a good manager. 
what is what is it about the lineup that you think uh, is it the pitching you think that gives you the the most the greatest chance that this is going to happen? Yeah, if you have good pitching, I mean you're you're going to be in a good position, and the the hitters are just solid young guys. They don't they can run fast. They can uh, crank out a bunch of hits one after another. That's what you need for a good team. Wow, this is insightful. Mm-hmm. I'm making all of good hitting, fast running. How committed? How committed are you to this belief? I mean, are you willing to bet on it? Are you? Uh, could something change your mind tomorrow? Uh, yeah, something could probably change my mind, which is they start playing and then nothing goes right. It's happened before, um, but I'm optimistic really? about it. Okay. So, so there, there would be something that could happen tomorrow that would cause you to revise your position on this. Sure, if there are some injuries on the team or something, then I might lose hope. Some injuries. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Well, I think at this point, I'm just gonna going to end the conversation. Is there anything else that you want to mention about the Cubs or or your your concerns about them or the hopes that you have for them? No, but now I feel a little more depressed than when I began this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so an, an example like this is, is a little difficult because yeah. your commitment to it is not as rigid as a virtuous belief that somebody might have that a God exists. Like if uh-huh. I believe that Jesus uh, died for me, well, in our society today, that's a virtuous belief. It's a lot more difficult to even consider that you might be mistaken on a virtuous belief like that, as opposed to something like karma or that the Cubs are going to win the world series. What I find and if I had a preference, I would much rather talk to somebody that believes something strongly yeah. that uh, that that impacts their life greatly. So now, if, they believe they Jesus, come, come you. if they believe Sorry. Jesus died for their sins, they don't believe that like in some half-assed way. They are all in on that sort of belief. They, they are all in. And what I found is from nearly a thousand conversations that I've had with people is that when somebody says, oh, I'm spiritual, or God is love, or, yeah, I think the Cubs might win the World Series, but I'm not all that committed to it, those are, t- those are more difficult conversations. Uh, what I find is that when somebody really believes something to the point where they're going to teach their kids that it's a fact, they will go to a service every Sunday, they'll donate, they, they're all in, like you said. Those are the fun conversations. Those are the ones where you can really see the wheels turning. So what's what's your goal with all this? Like you talked about self improvement, that you want to be a come become a better, uh, I don't know, talker or. So what's your goal when you walk up to somebody? What's your end goal? Well, the first thing is, I, you know, I really can, unless they're wearing some sort of traditional garb or something, I have no idea what their beliefs are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to, especially in this culture, it's kind of hard to tell who believes what. So I don't know what I'm going to get until I start talking to somebody. Um, but if it comes, if it becomes apparent, sometimes it becomes apparent within 30 seconds of a talk that a person really believes in this particular deity and they don't have a good reason for it. Honestly, within 30 seconds or a minute, I can, I can, I can discover that typically, and they can kind of get a sense of it too. Um, but as far as the goal, when it really comes down to it, my goal is to help people discover if they are holding a belief that's based on a faulty method. 
Now, street epistemology, the epistemology is the study of knowledge, and that's and sort of the street is the gritty part of getting out there and talking to people, although you don't have to do that, like I mentioned. Um, they could just happen organically. That's really what, it, what it's coming down to is respectful conversations with people to just un, uncover and discover the reasons that a person holds the belief and the methods they use to get there. And can I have a 30-minute conversation with somebody and they completely abandon their belief in Allah or Jesus? Possibly. I've had some pretty close calls um, on camera, and you can see those on my YouTube channel. But to, to answer your question, what is the goal? Ultimately, at least from my perspective, is to get a person to slow down and just think about what they believe and why. Let me ask you, let's say you find out the person you're talking to, uh, they absolutely believe in Jesus and all the, the Christian mythology. What do you? What sort of questions are you asking them to try to get them to understand, you know, the, the type of thinking or the, the method that maybe they shouldn't be holding on to? That's a good question. So the questions that I ask are based on the information that I'm getting from the person, what they're providing. So I'll say, what do you believe and why? They might say, I believe I'm Catholic and I believe in Jesus and I'm 100% sure that God exists. And I might say, well, why do you believe it? And they say, well, uh, I had three miracles happen to me last year, and I'm absolutely certain that it's the case. So the the rapport building and the conversation that we're having is really leading the talk. I'm just listening to what they're saying, asking them questions, letting them hear back what, what it is they just said and so that I can understand them. Uh, there's been some criticism of street epistemology that we're trying to to ask so many questions and confuse the person, and that's absolutely not the case. If I don't understand what the person's telling me, then I can't drill down deeper into why they hold the belief. So it's critical that I listen, and it's critical that I ask questions that start unraveling those beliefs that a person holds. I'm kind of thinking about um, what what Ray Comfort does. Um, I don't know if you've seen God is Dead, which is just a remarkable film not god is dead uh, uh the no yeah that's not ray comfort oh no what, who am i thinking of oh what was the one we watched together um <sighs> shit we god should totally it. know this because we <sighs> talked to them too i'll think okay it. we'll think it anyway goes. anyway uh, there's a portion of it where, i'm sorry there's a portion of it where <laughs> ray comfort walks around with like a body cam or something like that and is talking to am i thinking of the right thing Hammond? Yeah. and he's talking to the people and says uh do you believe you're going to heaven do you believe in god blah 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 and he kind of tucks them talk circles around them a little bit of like well have you ever stolen yes oh. well does does what does that he... make you right yeah. <laughs> tell me how comfort. tell me how you're di- what is that fucking movie called we'll figure it out I, we'll figure it out tell me what different differentiates you from this kind of ray comfort person oh sure sure well first just to be clear i'll, I'll just reiterate it uh thousands of people are having these types of talks and they're not going out with the camera and filming them mm-hmm I film them because I want to show my improvement, but also give a template for people to follow so that they can go out and not necessarily go out with a camera and have these exact types of discussions on the street. But if they're sitting at a birthday party and somebody mentions Jesus or Allah or whatever, that they might be a little bit more prepared for it. Um, The main difference, honestly, is that I'm not telling anybody what to think. Whereas Ray, 
I think has an objective to to proselytize his specific god. You're almost like a you're almost like a psychic doing a cold reading except for good purposes. <laughs> well, you're hearing what they you tell know, you, you you feed it back and you try to figure out uh you know how the way their mind works. But let me go back to something Jessica asked earlier, which is you said you're videotaping these because you want to get better. It's called audacity. Audacity. Uh, you you want to film these things so you can get better. Better at what? What do you hope to become? Like someone who can really probe someone's mind and figure out how they think? Is that what you want to get really good at or is it something else? I That's, good. that's a great question too. I, I'd, I'd like to just improve on the approach of street epistemology in that it's a respectful dialogue and if somebody is going and giving apologetics that I refrain from giving a counter apologetic because we know the science shows us that if I were to interrupt and say you know evolution really is true and here's here's some uh, some evidence that can can demonstrate this we know that during one-on-one conversations that's more than likely to cause cause uh, a backfire effect on the individual so so resisting the temptation to the debate would be an improvement in my mind. Um, learning how to be quiet when the person's talking and listening is a very important thing. Being able to repeat back what a person says is critical. Um, and asking those questions that keep peeling back the layers. Sometimes, sometimes a distraction will happen or there will be an opportunity for a debate, and, and I fall into that trap. I, I've spent years learning all the counter-apologetics that, a, that the, the true atheist should, should learn, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, only to find out that that is one of the biggest liabilities that can set your conversation back. So when I talk about improvement, that's a large part of what I'm, what I'm getting at is learning how to perfect the talk so that by the end of it, I fully understand what the person believes, but even more importantly, they understand it even better. How do you know if you've been successful at the end of a conversation? Or is there a successful conversation? Yeah. I've had some strange ones where <laughs> they just go off the rails really quick. So it's, it's evident that it just it, this was bad. So those, those videos are out there too. Um, sometimes, I'm, rarely I might have somebody push me because they're just <laughs> upset. But that's, that's an <laughs> unusual thing. Almost always, 98% of the time, it's a friendly dialogue where at the end of the talk, they are smiling. They'll pat me on the back. They'll shake my hand. I'll give them a card where they can contact me. And if I spot them later, they will come up to me and in some cases give me a hug or high five me or say, when can we talk again? That in my mind is a success. What's the worst reaction you've gotten from people? Besides being shoved. <laughs> Besides being shoved. Like, are there people that are just like, no, we're not discussing something this private or uh, do they do anything publicly, like make a scene out of it? Because I've seen atheists do that with campus preachers, for what it's worth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've had a few people when I've said, "Hey, I, you know, I want to. I'd like to have just a short discussion and film it to discuss a deeply held belief." I've had some people look at each other and just laugh and like literally run away. <laughs> but that's probably the most unusual thing. I have had a few people. I've been going to one location in particular off and on for about, I don't know, the last three months. I took a class at a campus, so I was going there a lot. And what I found is word was getting around campus of what I was doing, so people were intentionally walking behind the camera or waving or um, 
interrupting the conversation. So that might be the strangest thing where, where people have started to become aware of what was happening and then wanting to get involved with it. But as far as like a conversation with a believer and going off the rails, it does happen, but it's extremely rare. Have you ever been stumped by anybody you've spoken to? I have. Yes. Uh, there was one time I was talking with a young woman who is atheist and she was raised as a skeptic. <laughs> so <laughs> she didn't have any supernatural beliefs. Mm-hmm. All of them seemed well-founded. Uh, she mentioned a brief sort of belief in karma, but as we started unpacking what that was, it seemed fairly rooted in reality. Like if I do something good, they might see it and maybe do something good for me, but that's not, there's not any governing force. So that would probably be the one time where I was stumped and I just didn't really know what to ask her. Uh, <laughs> but generally speaking, generally speaking, the, the conversations that we have um, are, are quite deep and powerful and even moving. Like they, they move me at the end too, where, where I might be shaking or even in tears. Do you think debates like you said, the apologetics, counter-apologetics, are those debates useful? Do you even do them anymore? I'll, I'll, I will probably never do a debate, but I do think that they're useful. Um, I'm going to be speaking to to the uh, atheist community of Austin, and I want to address this. And that's where... like Matt Dillahunty territory right there. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. The, the atheist experience is, is, is hosted. I guess the, the engine behind that TV show is the atheist community of Austin, and they've asked me to speak about street epistemology, and, and they do debate with their callers. I do think it has a place. Like, I probably wouldn't be a comfortable atheist if it wasn't for listening to those debates and learning what the counter-apologetics are, or, or a Dawkins debate or Hitchens or something like that, Sam Harris. However, for the one-on-one conversations, it's clear. A debate is not the best way to go. If, if you're looking to influence thousands of other people that might be watching the debate and just love how you crush that Christian or you are that Christian watching that other folk, uh, that other person getting crushed, it might sway you. Uh, there are so many atheists that have lost their beliefs because they've watched debates. But uh, when you're in the trenches or you're having a conversation with a loved one or a friend or a coworker, if, if you want to have help that person reflect on their belief, the debate is really not the best way to go in my mind. You think it would be a better tactic to kind of get them to understand why they believe the stuff they believe. And like, as opposed to here's why you might be wrong and that thing isn't really a miracle. Absolutely. Primarily because very few people think about why they hold the belief. And just the act of verbalizing, why do I really think the Cubs are going to win the World Series this this season? Just the act of having to repeat that out loud to somebody. Because I want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it oftentimes will, will just shine a spotlight on the unreliability of why you think that's the case. So, um, yeah, this street epistemology, in my mind, really is, I think it's the best thing going for an atheist who wants to have a respectful conversation with a believer. What do you know about religion? Because you've probably talked to more religious people about what they believe and why they believe than most people have. What do you know about religion now that maybe you didn't know going into this? Well, I was raised Catholic, so I, I knew I know, know that going into it. But 
for this type of approach with talking to a believer, and, and it's funny too because after I read Bogosian's book, I immediately ran out and, and bought a Bible because I thought, well, I need to be I need to be really well versed in this, only to later realize that I don't need to know the doctrine. Now I have learned a lot about the different you know the difference between Sunni and Shia and uh, Islamic religion and and Judaism and even paganism, uh, of course Christianity too. But it doesn't really matter. In fact, the more you know about that, the more of a liability it is because it's just going to make it more tempting to get caught in the weeds of it. Like if I really know the Bible extremely well and can quote it verbatim, it's hard to turn that off during a conversation where you're using street epistemology because you just feel so comfortable doing that. So while I am learning things about different religions, it's not critical that you even know anything about a religion to have these types of talks. I'm curious if you ever talk to somebody who just freely acknowledges, like, no, this isn't based on anything. Even if they believe it's real, they realize it's not based on anything. They just this kind isn't of, rational. Like, they don't have a lot of weight behind it, I guess. Does that happen frequently? Oh, sure. And I do – I should have mentioned it earlier. I do occasionally, almost always now, but – I try to implement a, a scale of belief so we can measure a person's progress. Where are you? How, how confident are you from zero to 100? Um, I'm at a 95%. Okay. And then you can do a post-test at the end of the talk. At the, at the end of a five or 10-minute talk, they might drop to a 60 uh, because they've realized that, oh, wow, yeah, prayer really isn't all that reliable, and that's a main reason why I believe this. So it is important to to get a sense of where a person is so that you can measure progress. What do you do for a living? Because, <laughs> I mean, I've seen your videos. They all take place, like, in the daytime, <laughs> during college hours. How do you get away you to do this? He doesn't get paid for this? Because how dare you? <laughs> you guys are asking the best questions. Yes. So I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Um, my wife is, is employed. She has a great job. Yeah. And we're fortunate enough where – where I can be, I can spend time doing, helping the atheist community and experimenting with these techniques and trying to share my successes and failures. And uh, yeah, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I have two kids that are going to middle school and and oh, so they're the at school, they so to- you have some time. <laughs> I just imagine you had like an infant strapped to you with like a YouTube on the back of their head or YouTube a camera. Yeah, camera. God, I'm an old person. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you uh, talked to people who have seen your videos and then gone out and tried to do the same thing? I have. I, I've I've been seeing. It's interesting when I when I started doing this, I had. There was never an intent to to build a script, but through trial and error after doing this for two and a half, almost three years now, I, I boiled it down where within a minute or two, I can pretty much understand why a person believes what they believe, and then they can get a sense of if they, you know, if they think it's reliable or not. But people are watching the videos and then mimicking them, which is fantastic because, like I mentioned before, uh, these experiences – I, I, I had to go out and seek them. I had to, to initiate them. But there are people that are now having talks that are just happening organically. They're at the bar. Somebody sits down next to them. They open up a Bible, and then, boom, let's have a discussion. And they're <laughs> using these techniques from Bogosian's book or my videos, and he has an app coming out as well. Do, you, do and, they videotape and them they, and uh, publish pardon? them? Do they videotape these encounters and publish them on YouTube as well? Okay. <laughs> no. But some people okay. are. Some people are. But I want to be really clear. Yeah. 
99.8% of the people using straight epistemology would never videotape it. Sure, and put it on sure, YouTube. sure. They're, they're, just not, they're just not doing it. They're there just having these conversations, it. period. They're, ha- they're watching them on, on YouTube and they're reading the book and then they're finding themselves at a, at a party or yeah. a bar or on the street and then they're using the techniques. And then they're sharing those with us on – we have a private street epistemology Facebook group, which if anyone out there is interested in learning more about it, that is the place to go. They're sharing the techniques. I'm able to learn from them. In fact, uh, lately I've been going out with a with my phone and live streaming the discussion, so I can have 80 people watching me live uh, have a talk. I'll end the talk, look at the phone, and I can get immediate feedback as far as what I'm doing right or wrong. You're like so periscoping these conversations. <laughs> uh, can you repeat that? You're like periscoping these conversations. Yeah, they're like live streaming here. I'm about to talk to someone. Meerkat, is that Meerkatting these. Yeah. Yes, but Yeah, you're doing it live streaming these discussions. It's not just YouTube. You're like, hey, I'm talking to a Christian now. <laughs> Come watch. Well, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to put to rest some of the complaints that, well, you're just selectively picking people. Oh, or are okay. these staged? Are these actors? Yeah. Uh, what what else, what happens in the you know how how difficult is it to find somebody to talk to? And I thought, well, what the hell? Let me just start. In addition to to GoProing it, I'll just periscope <laughs> these and, oh, and yeah. live stream them. Yeah. While I'm doing it, so that you can literally watch a two hour stretch of time where I have 14 conversations and upload three of them for example i'm sure you could find an audience for that because people yeah. fucking watch video games so i don't get it i mean like they Kids would these days yeah um oh, yeah yeah people people are watching them from all over the world yeah I'll, I'll do a quick you know where are you from in south africa iran <laughs> uh, oh wow england texas you know just all over the world that's interesting the reason i asked if other people were like videotaping these exchanges i'm curious if you've seen other people trying to mimic what you do and you're watching their videos and you're just going you're pulling hair out thinking no you're doing it all wrong (laughs) that's not what you're supposed to ask and you're like angry as a teacher (laughs) oh i'm not angry but i do see things and 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 I, i i kind of envision myself in the shoes that the Gojin must have been in when I was sending him links to my videos, <laughs> and just, you know, shaking my head and thinking, "Oh boy, what is this guy doing?" But uh, no, generally, I'm I'm more impressed with how more how much more fluid they are, and and focused than I ever was when I first went out there and, and did it, and that's why. I don't mind leaving those old videos out there so people could see my progression and even the newer ones. Uh, because a person can, I've, I've, I've literally seen videos of people that have gone out for the first time and seen movement from an interlocutor, a conversation partner, and they've dropped their confidence after a 10 minute talk. And it's their first time going out there and doing it. So, um, that, that makes me happy. Sure. There are mistakes. Sure. They could have paused. Maybe they used a, an inflammatory word and they didn't realize (laughs) that they did it, but I'll give them that feedback, but just seeing somebody get comfortable to go out and, and have a talk. And again, whether it's recorded or not, mm-hmm. that is inspiring to me to want to go out and do more. Awesome. So, uh, Anthony, what's the website that we can find your videos? Okay, so I have a YouTube channel. It's my last name, which is Magna Bosco. We'll post a link to this at the bottom of the show notes. Thank you. And then my Twitter is Magna Bosco. That's really the best way to, to reach me. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois, and the music was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.